All right, tough loss. Syracuse now won seven of its last nine, but now eight losses in nine tries against Virginia most recently. Tony Bennett just continues to dominate Coach Beheim in Syracuse. SU falls 73-66 tonight. A nice second half. SU edged out UVA 40-38, to but it was really the first half where the problems were. UVA winning the first frame 35-26 and really controlling the game for the majority of the time. Syracuse coming back in the second half and making it interesting with a couple of nice runs, but ultimately it's UVA hitting the free throws, making the buckets that count down the stretch to win the game. And they beat Syracuse to thwart the momentum that SU gained early on in ACC play here with the wins against Louisville and uh, the close loss to Pittsburgh, but rebounding well after that one and the win against Notre Dame earlier on in the season. A really tough night, and it didn't have much to do with the fact that Benny Williams wasn't playing. I know he missed the game for a non-COVID illness, but he doesn't really mean that much to the team. He's just kind of another body that plays for Syracuse and logs minutes at the forward position. And that's really a spot where SU honestly got some pretty good production out of today. In his place, John Bolajac started, played four minutes, and fouled within the first 30 seconds of the game. We didn't really see him the rest of the game, and that should come really as no surprise, kind of on par for what JBA does. Other than that, though, I was pretty impressed with what Justin Taylor did in 23 minutes of action at two assists, seven points hit a couple of two-point jumpers, hasn't hit a three in a little while, but was nice on both ends of the floor. Um, hold on, let me get you going in here. Yeah, cool. Um, Malik Brown, 10 points today, was leading Syracuse in scoring for a majority of the first half until Judah Mintz and Joe Girard finally got going. Four of six from the free throw line, so he was a mainstay there, also at eight rebounds. So someone that I think could compete for some minutes in the rotation moving forward, even if Williams comes back because he's been anything but stellar. Chris Bell with a good offensive performance. I'll give him that. Eight points, three of three from the field, two of two from beyond the arc, but fouled out of this game in 16 minutes and had zero rebounds. So the forward position just continues to be a struggle, and that includes Jesse Edwards, too. Four points today, just five shots, made two of them, uh, 10 rebounds, so that was good. But, you know, I was going back and forth with a couple of fans throughout the contest. When Jesse is faced with competition, especially Virginia, he's really struggled against Virginia, that can match him physically. He just doesn't have the fundamental play, and I call it the moxie, really, to just compete, and that was on full display tonight. He played just 26 minutes. Munir Hima chipped in with 14. He looked pretty good. He had six boards and a couple of blocks today, but when Hema plays, he doesn't have much of an offensive presence. So Syracuse got good games from JG3 and Judah, as typically is the case. Not so much from Jesse Edwards, who is the third member of the top three in scoring on this team. So really a lack of offense in this game today, and I think that was the biggest culprit for this loss today, Ian. What do you think? Uh, I don't know, John. I kind of thought I, I was of the opinion that this game was kind of doomed from the start. It just felt like mission failed as soon as Armand Franklin hit his second or third three in the first half. I mean, Virginia over the years, it's always like, oh yeah, they play in the fifties. This is not a good offensive team. They grit and grind, and you know, if they if they can just out out hustle you and get a few tough buckets. They'll win because they'll hold you to 50. This game felt different because Syracuse let Virginia get on the front foot by scoring. And then on the other end, what it, Syracuse had like six turnovers in the first in the first eight minutes or something like that. Yeah, something like that. It was 
it was a dis- disappointing start to the game. And I mean, look, the, the comebacks and stuff were nice, but did you really feel like Syracuse had a chance in this game? Did it really ever feel close? It did at points in the final minutes there, like when they cut it to under 10 and there was maybe five minutes left in the game. You thought maybe Syracuse had a chance to pull back and make it even closer and closer. But then SU would shoot itself in the foot one way or another. They went to the timeout, SU within uh, 10, um, and then they come back out of the timeout. Virginia goes back on a nice little run, and they push the lead back to about 15 points. And they just did that time after time when Syracuse crept back in. Virginia would boost the lead once again because SU would make a mistake. So to your point, yeah, I think SU just shot itself in the foot way too many times in this game. And at a certain point, it came back to haunt them because they ran out of time. I mean, 16 turnovers, 20. Yeah, exactly. The 16 turnovers were brutal. And some of them had, had no, like the one, the one that sticks out to me is it's very small and minute, but it was just a microcosm of what happened in this game. There was one lob pass from Judah to Jesse, and it was early in transition. It was pretty, I mean, it's a post-entry of sorts. Jesse's running down to the left block. Judah lobs it down there, and Jesse puts his hand out, try like looks away, doesn't look at the ball, and instead just tries to instinctively catch it with one hand. And it tipped off his finger and went out of bounds, and then he looked at Judah like, what the heck? I don't know. I I don't really know what to think of this team besides like there's there's some sort of disconnect going on because offensively you should have a bit more cadence than and yeah, I know Virginia's defense is good, but there's some ugly shots being taken. Ugly shots. Yeah, and I guess the difference of the game was that UVA was hitting some of those ugly shots and Syracuse wasn't. Uh, it's John Eads and Ian Unsworth here on the Orange Fizz postgame space. If you guys have thoughts, be sure to tag us on Twitter, and I'm monitoring right now, and I'll be sure to get you guys involved in the convo. If you want to speak as well, just hit request to speak, and we'll pop you guys on the mic here. I think this really boils down to one thing in particular. You mentioned you don't know what to make of this team. Here's what to make of this team. They're not going to be good this year unless the top three guys – are leading this are leading the way. I mean, Judah with 18, Joe with 19. That's what you expect from them. That's what you need from them on a game to game basis. Jesse with four as your second or third leading scorer. That's just not going to cut it against the top tier competition, the ACC. You can't have one of your top three scores be a complete non factor in this game. You're not going to get much of anything from the forward positions. That's been shown all season. I don't think that's going to change at any point in the future unless maybe Chris Bell or Justin Taylor pop off for 15 to 20 points on some random uh, in some random game. You're not going to get that production from anybody else. It's about Joe, Judah, and Jesse. And if one of those three disappears in any game, you're just simply not going to win, and you're probably not going to be very competitive either. How about this? Six foot eleven. Caden Shedrick led Virginia in steals. When do you see that? I think that checks out. Yeah. It, it, I mean, if you watch the game, it makes sense, but he had three steals. That's the most of any Cavill here. And why? Because Edwards was just not on his game today. Sloppy, sloppy play. Uh, Shedrick also had four blocks. Again, not all of those were on Jesse, but when you have a big man, who's a commanding presence in the lane, the other big has to watch out for him. And whatever it was, 
Jesse was was not locked in in any way, shape, or form. It, it, it I, I mean, John, I know you were kind of on on this train of of Jesse not being good enough. It, it just feels like he forgot his fundamentals. It, there, yeah. there was no, no effort to to get him real post ups, and when he got post ups, it didn't look like he had a plan. Um, Virginia doubled him well. I, I saw Eric Devendorf tweeting out uh, about how people have to cut through the lane so Jesse can pass and find the weak side shooter. It, it, it just didn't seem like when Syracuse tried to get Jesse Edwards involved. First of all, Jesse wasn't really engaged, and secondly, the rest of the offense didn't really know what to do once the ball got to Jesse Edwards. It, it just seemed like, all right, okay, Jesse's got it, cool, whatever. Yeah. Lackadaisical. It doesn't seem like a one-off either. I know that there's some times where players, you know, have an off game. You know, they're not catching the basketball. They're just making sloppy mistakes. But I don't think Jesse was all that impressive against Louisville either. He wasn't that much of an offensive threat. He wasn't exactly clean. He had uh, just kind of a pedestrian double-double, 12 points, 11 rebounds. Today he goes for 4-10. and 10. Uh, It just seems like now that the real ACC teams with big dudes, Brandon Huntley-Hatfield, uh, Sidney Curry, um, I, I may have butchered that first name, but Curry on Louisville as well. Big yeah, body Jimmy, guys. You got it. You got it. Oh, I dig it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, th- the point is, big body athletes who can compete with him and match him uh, physically – he has nothing else in his bag. He has no post game. He has no touch around the rim. Like you and I were talking, Armando Baycott does. He just isn't really a complete five. But against the Bryants and the Colgates and the Cornells, teams that don't have true fives and dudes that can match a seven-foot guy, yeah, he's going to dominate. But this has been the story for the past couple of years. SU doesn't have a center that can compete physically game in, game out with ACC competition. And that was on full display today. I think it was on full display against Louisville as well. And there's there's something to be said for the Jim Beheim. oh, Jesse's not ready. To, uh, He's a senior, thing, damn it. The whole thing last year, the whole not ready thing last year was frustrating because there's a difference between not ready to play and not ready to excel. Jim Beheim was saying Jesse Edwards was not ready to play. And that's not what we're saying in any way. But Jesse Edwards is not ready to excel. And we thought that he had hit it last year. There, there were times last year when we really thought he was peaking. And he was probably a top candidate for most improved player if he doesn't go break his Definitely. hand against BC. It, this year, it's, it's not there. It's just not there. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, tell me what you think of this. Uh, you know, Benny Williams has been less than stellar. That That's obvious. But I think he does present something that helps Jesse's game, which is his movement and spacing around the, the key, the free throw line, which pulls defenders up and allows Jesse to get better positioning in the post. Do you think Benny's, you know, not playing tonight and that lack of that kind of movement and spacing hindered Jesse? Well... With Malik Brown or John Bull on the floor, there's not a whole lot of spacing going around. Let's be honest. Teams are okay with leaving Judah open for three. I mean, teams are okay with leaving Bell or Taylor open from three just because they haven't hit him consistently this year. Like, there's not a whole lot of spacing to be had, especially today. So, yeah. having Benny out there really does help. I... I was more surprised that uh, John Bull only played four minutes because of the whole the whole passing 
You know, he's such a good passer thing. That's like calling a wide like that's like calling a wide receiver good at blocking. You know? <laughs> like big men are not supposed to be good passers unless they're good at everything else first. So um yeah, the 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 lack of spacing is I think you need to hit the nail on the head. It is partially because of lack of Benny. But then again, back to my kind of earlier point, our teams waiting for Benny Williams to shoot the three? Yeah, sure. I think if Benny Williams had played today, hit five threes, and that was the reason Syracuse won the game, I don't think Tony Bennett would be too frustrated. Yeah, I think that's something also to talk about is the fact that this team just does not shoot the three ball for lack of confidence, lack of personnel, whatever you want to call it. Just 14 attempts today. I saw them play Cornell and Georgetown. They shot it maybe 10 or 11 times from beyond the arc. And it just doesn't seem like that's a recipe for success with Syracuse offenses. It seems like the past couple of years, the three ball has been a huge part of their game. Buddy Beheim, Cole Swider last year. Now they lacked in other departments for sure, but the three ball has been consistent throughout. And right now, your main three point threats are JG3 and Chris Bell. And for the Chris Bell stands out there, all he does is shoot threes. That's the only part of the game that he does well, that he excels in. So I think that hinders this team as well and certainly takes away from the spacing too. And then on top of that, it just seems like Bayheim just does not want to recruit a point guard that can shoot the three ball. Kadari Richmond couldn't shoot the three ball. JG3 could, but he's not necessarily a true point guard. I think we all know that to be the case. Uh, really, the last guy that could shoot the three and was a complete package point guard, I guess, was Tyus Battle. But if Judah could shoot the three consistently, this offense would be a whole lot better. Unfortunately, that's just not the case, though. He makes up for that by scoring in a lot of other ways inside the, the three-point arc. But I think this offense would benefit more from finding more three-point shooting production. And unfortunately, they just don't have it. Um, I mean, Samir Torrance could do that. He worked on it over the offseason, but I don't think he has the kind of confidence and the volume to back that up. So... I think they need to do more three-point shooting at some point if they can. The problem is you just don't have guys that can hit those shots, and that's kind of a problem. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about is just how thin this team is. I mean, you and I were looking at each other like there's no way John Bolajac can start tonight, right? I mean, they got Justin Taylor. They've got Malik Brown who could start. The fact that, you know, you have two true freshmen who are all but unproven at this point or John Bolajac as a guy that will start in place of Benny Williams because he's sick. And that's just ridiculous. You're Syracuse, and you're one sick player away from starting. We saw another guy tweet this before the game. From starting a guy that would have probably no other offers from ACC schools, you're starting him at your four. How is that possible? This team just does not have the recruiting, does not have the personnel to sustain a team that's going to be a contender in the ACC. This team is just ridiculously thin right now. And, yeah, sure, they're playing 10, 11 guys. But some of those guys are playing, you know, one minute in the case of Quidier Copeland, four minutes in the case of John Bolajac. You just – you've got 10 or 11 guys that could play, but they're not solid. Like, it's quantity. It's certainly not quality right now. And that's just a problem. It's, it's a problem. The, the real issue is the recruiting. I mean – John Bull tried to enter the transfer portal two years ago, didn't get any offers, and then came back to Syracuse. No, these are not – none of these guys that Syracuse has besides a couple 
are primetime players, the PT Peters of the world, as Dick Vitale would call them. Syracuse is lacking talent, and that is a a, a massive uh, it's a massive gap in the program, and it's also pretty obvious for anyone that's watched the team over the years. I mean, this Syracuse team is nowhere near close to what a Syracuse team looked like 10 years ago. There's not as much length. There's not as much size down low. There's not a second layer of depth. Like, bringing guys off the bench 10 years ago was was obviously not a, not a thing Jim did a whole lot. He played six or seven because he had six or seven dudes that were better than most of the rest of the Big East. That's just how it was. Now you're playing 9-10, and, oh, that's great. You got depth. But it's because nobody in that 9 or 10 has really separated themselves from anyone else. That's all really there is to it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, think about Dion Waiters, man. The career he's having in the NBA, he came off the bench at Syracuse. Like, that's how good this bench depth used to be. Now you're bringing guys in that – just they're guys. They're not anything special. You know, you just have a, a bunch of rotation players, basically, that aren't complete players. And you have those rotation players in your starting lineup. That's the problem with Syracuse right now. And that's going to continue to hinder, hinder them the rest of the season because there's no savior. There's nobody else you can get. This is your team. You had opportunities to snag guys from the portal. You didn't do it. You had opportunities to retain guys in your roster. You didn't do it. They're now at other places. So this is what you got right now if you're Syracuse. You just got to do the best you can. Um, and the best you can involves Judah, Joe, and Jesse all playing spectacular games each and every game. And that's just a little bit too much to ask from those three. And Edwards really dropped the ball today with just the four points. So, again, a 73-66 loss for Syracuse. The Orange now fall to 10-6 and six on the season, 3-2 and two conference record, and the schedule coming up is Virginia Tech on Wednesday, Notre Dame next Saturday, and then a couple of road trips to Miami and Georgia Tech. So the road ahead, not necessarily easy. Vatek considered one of the better teams in the ACC, won the whole thing last year. Notre Dame gave SU all it could handle in South Bend back in December. So, you know, this momentum that Syracuse had, seven wins and eight tries, uh, looking rather bleak as we head into the middle of January, which is kind of the case every year. Once Syracuse hits ACC play, they start to come down to earth. They were already down to earth to begin with coming out of non-conference play, which, why, which by the way, wasn't very strong. But anyways, uh, that should just about wrap it up for the Fizz postgame space, unless you got any final thoughts, Ian. No, not a whole lot to say, John. I'm hungry for dinner. And honestly, Syracuse didn't do anything to impress me today. Nothing happened that changed my thinking on this team. The only other only other thing I should I have to say is that Malik Brown should probably be starting. Um, if Benny or Chris Bell isn't going to do anything, just start Malik Brown, let him stand in the paint, get rebounds, and put him back up. Simple as that. At least it'll they'll, at least they'll score. At least they'll score. I agree. And then you can bring Chris Bell off the bench and let him do his thing in the offensive end, and maybe coming off the bench will help him um, not feel like he has you know a leash around his neck almost. With, with Bayheim bringing him out of the game every three seconds. so They'll get rebounds. They will get more rebounds. Well, you know, it's not hard to beat zero rebounds if you just get one. So I assume Malik Brown could do that. He had eight in this game tonight. Perhaps that's an adjustment Coach Bayheim looks to moving forward. I'd be curious to hear his post-game press conference to see uh, just how much he racks in the forwards tonight because I'm sure there's going to be plenty of that. But uh, that'll wrap it up for the Fizz post-game space. 
Join us for continued coverage at Orange Fizz here on Twitter and theorangefizz.com for a post-game article on this contest. And then continued coverage throughout the week up until Virginia Tech on Wednesday and Notre Dame next Saturday. Thanks for tuning in. We will catch you guys next time.